It's time for another episode of Pediatric Specialty Care Spotlight, the podcast series presented by Shriners Hospitals for Children, Chicago, where hope and healing meet. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Today we have a panel-style discussion, and we're discussing two very important topics, non-surgical craniofacial interventions, helmet therapy, and ear molding for congenital ear anomalies. My guests today are Patty Angabretson and Marisa Foss. They're both certified nurse practitioners with Shriners Hospitals for Children, Chicago. Patty, I'd like to start with you. What's the prevalence or incidence of ear anomalies and positional plagiocephaly or brachycephaly, things that might require helmet therapy? Uh, for ear anomalies, you're looking at anywhere from 1 in 6,000, which is approximately 19% of the population. And for plagiocephaly and or brachycephaly, uh, those results are varied roughly 46%, uh, and that's at age 7 to 12 weeks. Patty, what's different today about what we know about these conditions? Uh, ear anomalies are recognized early enough to be treated non-surgically. Uh, in the past, they were often overlooked by primary care physicians. And for plagiocephaly and or brachycephaly, um, there is an increased incidence due to the back-to-sleep campaign where parents are recommended to put their babies on their backside to sleep in order to decrease the incidence of SIDS or sudden infant death. Marisa, as she mentioned that things like back-to-sleep have helped you know, with SIDS and things, but how are they contributing to the diagnoses that we're seeing? Well, uh, infants' heads at that stage of their lives are very pliable, moldable. Uh, they haven't formed into a, a solid skull at, uh, yet, and so they're very amenable to uh, the positioning affecting the shape. Uh, so we see fairly commonly that uh, that infants who are placed on their back to sleep will end up with a flat back of the head, or if they are, tend to favor turning their head to one side or the other, they might have an asymmetry uh, to the shape of their skull. Marisa, sticking with you for a minute, how important is time sensitivity for interventions for either one of these things? Well, um, for the ear well molding, uh, we prefer to start ideally by about two weeks. Uh, the, we have a, a window of uh, about uh, until about six weeks of age where the babies still have their mother's hormones in their system, and so their cartilages are, are more pliable, and so we have more uh, influence over how, how their, uh, the cartilage will solidify. And so, uh, like I said, ideally we'd like to start with the ear well by about two weeks of age and, uh, and, and certainly by um, no later than about six weeks of age. With the, with the uh, craniosynos, or I'm sorry, uh, with the plagiocephaly and, and brachycephaly or the, the flat or asymmetric skull, uh, we ideally wouldn't start before six months of age because uh, the prevalence is so common at that point and the babies are still developing and can potentially uh, correct with with their normal growth and development. Uh, so we would not start before six months of age, but that said, uh, if, the, if the problem is going to persist, we would want to treat before about a year of age. 
Patty, let's start with discussing ear molding as we separate these two situations and conditions that little babies have. What are the most common ear anomalies that you see, and do we know really what causes them? Uh, as far as the cause uh, is concerned, no. Sometimes we will see patients who have a sibling who had a similar uh, ear shape anomaly, and so you can see it uh, running in families. But um, usually it's a change in the shape of the rim of the ear uh, where it might appear more pointed or uh, more rolled over in appearance. And so those are a lot of the conditions that we treat with the ear well mold. Patty, do these conditions put the child at risk for hearing loss? How do you reassure the parents about hearing and development with or without treatment? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, I don't know of any um, association with hearing loss with these ear anomalies that we're treating with the ear well molding. Certainly all infants uh, have hearing testing at birth, and that is one of the questions we ask the families when they first come in is if the infant passed their newborn hearing screen. Um, And if there were any concerns, such as the child doesn't startle to loud noise, uh, that would be an indication that we would refer them for additional hearing testing. Marisa, tell us a little bit about the benefit of early intervention for the ear deformities. And do you hear parents say that they were told to wait to see if the ear fixes itself? What do you want them to know about that if that's what they've been told by a pediatrician? And then I'd like you to tell us about the procedure. What is ear well? Sure. Uh, So that, that is a great question because many of our parents say exactly that, that, that their pediatrician advised them to, to watch and wait. And, uh, you know, that's not bad advice because oftentimes uh, the, as the baby grows and changes, uh, there can be uh, some resolution of the, whether it's like Patty said, folding or um, lack of definition of the ear. But it certainly doesn't hurt to come in and get checked out. And uh, given that the ideal window of treatment is is prior to six weeks of age, the earlier we can start, the more effective the ear well treatment can be. So we always encourage families to come in. If there's any questions, come in right away. We've seen babies as, as early as certainly within their first week of life and started treatment. Um, and and the, the side effects or the, the you know, drawbacks of doing the ear well molding are are so mild that uh, we feel that it's worth giving it a try. Uh, those side effects being the possibility for skin breakdown or the appearance of the ear well molding. The ear well itself is a, a, a consists of a, a cradle that is adhered to the baby's skin surrounding the ear. It is made out of silicone and uh, and then we have a little pieces of silicone that that uh, wrap around the rim of the ear. Uh, we call these retractors, and they are uh, adhered to the cradle and hold the ear in the shape that is desired. And, um, and we always work closely with parents to, you know, have them uh, look at the positioning of the ear before everything is... Uh, before they're sent on their way, um, just to make sure that they are comfortable with the position that we're going for. Uh, And then the cradle has sort of a cap on it, and so that holds the retractor, holds the position that that we're striving for. Um, And those typically will stay in place 
for about two weeks. So again, there's a little bit of variability there based on, uh, you know, if, if the child is particularly sweaty, um, but generally about two weeks. And uh, treatment time will vary based on the individual. Generally, we're seeing the kids back at that two-week mark, and we'll, we'll assess at that point how the ear is looking and whether we feel a second or even, uh, in some cases, a third uh, ear well mold or, uh, is warranted and would apply at that point if, if so. And what have you seen as far as outcomes and satisfaction? What have parents said to you, Marisa? They, the satisfaction is it, rates are high. Uh, parents, at, at the very least, even in cases where we don't see that much change, they're happy that they at least tried something. Um, and overall, uh, for the most part, we do see positive change. So, so they're happy in in the changes that they see in their baby, and and that they hopefully. Uh, av- potentially avoided a surgery down the road. That's certainly the the main benefit of trying the ear well therapy. Patty, now we're going to talk a little bit about helmet therapy. We've, we've all seen those adorable little babies with the helmets on, and we mentioned that back to sleep has, you know, contributed as the baby's heads are growing. Tell us a little bit about helmet therapy, the best age for a baby to begin wearing that helmet, the initial process. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So um, the way the helmet works is it fits snug to the areas of the head, um, except for the area that's flattened, where it has a, a little bit of a pocket there for the head to fill out. So it doesn't actually change the shape of the baby's head as much as it guides the growth of it. And so um, since the head is rapidly growing in the first year of life, the ideal time to start this is at about six months Um And so babies that come in at that age, um, if they have already tried some positional uh, changes, for example, more time spent on the tummy while awake, less time spent in the infant carrier or the bouncy chair, those types of things, and the parents have not had any success with uh, improvement in the head shape, then uh, we will likely do what's called a STAR scan, um, which is an outline of the baby's head that determines if they qualify to receive a helmet. Um, And so six months is the ideal time for that, although certainly we've had infants as old as 12 months. Marisa, does this baby need to wear the helmets all day? Is it uncomfortable for them, or is it more uncomfortable for the parents watching their baby wear a helmet? (laughs) That's that's more the case. Uh, The babies, we find, end up getting very comfortable in the helmet to the point where uh, when it's removed to bathe or get dressed, they parents report to us that the babies will reach for it. Um, the babies are we re, we try and have the parent encourage the parents to uh, keep them in the helmet twenty three hours a day or so, um, and just remove it for bathing and letting it air letting the head air out and letting cleaning the helmet. It, it, can get sweaty in there, and so that's probably the biggest complaint with the helmet is that the baby's heads get uh, quite sweaty and it can get a little stinky. But um, uh, otherwise, the babies tend to be quite comfortable. Uh, and parents even that start off a little hesitant, uh, they find that they kind of uh, come to like the helmet as well. They get nervous when the babies are uh, starting to walk and and don't have their helmets. So, uh, so overall, the helmets tend to be very well tolerated. 
Patty, tell us how an orthotist fits the baby for the helmet and how can a parent tell if it's working? So um, I mentioned the STAR scan, uh, which is the uh, scan that gives us an outline of the head shape. And that is what the orthotist uses um, in order to create the helmet. And we repeat that scan every four to six weeks when the baby returns to the office. And that's a really good indicator um, that the helmet is working, per se, because you'll see an improvement in the flattened uh, area of the head. And so it's something that we can all take a look at to see that this is uh, is helping. And also, uh, we, you know, rely on the, the parent's uh, view of the child, and they see them every day and can see that the head shape is improving. And Melanie, I'd, li- I'd like to just add that the STAR scan, uh, parents worry about uh, their exposing their child to radiation and a star scan involves a laser kind of gives us a a picture of the surface area of the skull it does not involve any type of radiation so it's very safe thank you for pointing that out marisa so i'm going to give you the first last word what would you like parents to know about these non-surgical interventions that are available for whether or not the kids have plagiocephaly or brachycephaly or ear anomalies, what would you like them to know about coming to Shriners Hospitals for Children in Chicago to get that opinion, to find out what can be done? I would just like to remind parents that when in doubt, bring bring your baby in. The appointment is quick and painless, and uh, it's always better safe than sorry. Uh, we're happy to see kids, and if the child doesn't need the treatment, then great. If they do, then uh, better uh, earlier than later. Uh, So when in doubt, bring your baby in. Patty, last word to you. What would you like parents to know about these interventions? These are recommendations. So the families can come here to get the information from us about what is available and what we would recommend for the child. But ultimately, it's the family's decision, and we certainly have families who choose uh, not to proceed with helmet therapy or ear well molding, and that's okay, too. We're here um, to provide them with the education and the recommendation that they're looking for. Thank you both for joining us today and explaining these type of interventions that are available and clearing that up for parents. Thank you again. This is Pediatric Specialty Care Spotlight with the Shriners Hospitals for Children Chicago. For more information, please visit ShrinersChicago.org. That's ShrinersChicago.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.